So malware is just bad software. Malware uh, software kind of at the end. So it's something that you really don't want, but uh, you know it allows multitude things to happen. So if you so what would typically happen is very similar to what Chuck spoke about, which is you get an email. It says click here because you need to click here. It's sense of urgency in some ways, and then so social engineering most likely and the bad actors trying to lure you to basically click most likely it might be from a trusted person and then if you click and then it, it will then download a specific file or the file already exists as an attachment and you open that attachment and then the second stage is to download the real malware and it gets loaded into your system and it might just stay there um, just hunting for or harvesting data your keystroke may you know your whatever you type in your keyboard which might be a user username and password. Hello and welcome to Live with Chris, an interview podcast brought to you by Howard Community College, where we can learn and grow together. I am your host, Chris Oviedo, and I want to thank you for joining me today. We live in a world where we rely on technology for almost everything that we do. I mean, we rely on technology for communications, for entertainment, transportation also relies on on technology, shopping, education, and so much more. And in times where majority of our lives happen online, it's really important for HCC to join in the efforts of Cybersecurity Awareness Month and connect our Dragon community to this initiative that highlights the importance of properly protecting our networks, our devices, and the data from unauthorized access or criminal use. We need to do this at work and also at home. And to talk about cybersecurity, I am joined today by Song Lee, who's the HCC's Associate Vice President of Technology Innovation, and Charles Baines, who is a cybersecurity technician here at Howard Community College. Thank you, Song, and thank you, Chuck, for joining me today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So, Chuck, I, I want to start with you because, um, you know, cybersecurity, it seems like it's distant. It, it just seems like, you know, you hear the word cybersecurity and it seems, it seems like something far away that only government and big institutions need to worry about, right? So, so let's start by defining it, right? So let's start by bringing it down to what is cybersecurity? Sure. So cybersecurity uh, can't really be boiled down to one particular thing. It's really a combination of elements, those elements being uh, practices, processes, people, and tools, all working in conjunction to keep your digital assets or your data safe. I like to use an analogy where I liken it to home security. So you have many home security resources, such as uh, doors, locks, Uh, You have keys to those locks, you have uh, smoke detectors, you might have a firearm, you might have a dog, but uh, without proper training on those tools and the policies in place at home, uh, you're really not secure. If, If you have keys to a lock, but the inhabitants of that home aren't taking good care of the keys, it doesn't really do you much good. I love that you brought the dogs because I, I've always said, you know, if my if, if anybody was to come into my house, my dog would 
open the door for them, welcome them, <laughs> you know, wagging the, the tail and be like, oh, what are you looking for? Let me show it. Right. So I love that you just brought that because it's something we can relate to. Right. It's like if, if we don't give it the proper training and the proper attention, then it might actually work to a detriment rather than our benefit. So um, so thank you for that song. Let's let's talk about the importance. Right. And now that we know now that we know that it's it's processes, it's not just having right. It's not just having the software. It's not just having the doors or the locks or, or like you said, the dog is actually, you know, knowing how to use it and, and, and using it properly. So let's talk a little more about the importance of cybersecurity at home and at work. So at, at Howard Community College, we have a lot of data. We have student data. And of those student data, we have social security number. We have date of birth. There's a lot of information that's valuable to the people that want that information. And so at Howard, we have to make sure that data is protected, uh, as in making sure only authorized individuals have access to that. If I can give an example, like how much of an impact cybersecurity is, the most recent uh, attack that occurred in MGM Resort. So in Las Vegas, MGM Resort had a ransomware and it was valued at $100 million. And $10 million was just so that it just cleans up as a one-time fee. And uh, how did that impact MGM? They lost data on top of operational, like you couldn't use the slot machines, people couldn't uh, open their door to their rooms. And so it's very, very important that uh, cybersecurity, basically uh, companies uh, practice like Chuck talked about cybersecurity to ensure that there's protection and ensure that we have good protection. And so in, in business is very important. For home, uh, I would say one of the things for home is that you're, you're, you get scammed a lot. So you might get an urgency that your data or your picture or your computer might be exploited or, and they will release that information. So you just got to you, you have to make sure that you practice good cyber hygiene uh, as in password protection and um, and updating your computer, which we'll be talking about. And, you know, you, you mentioned the importance and for protection and how it can really interrupt your life. Right. And, and I think it's easy to think about, you know, in, in the professional world, like MGN, that example that you just gave us, how it can really affect and how you can lose millions of dollars, right? Thousands and millions of dollars if, if you are not protected, if all of your systems are not protected. And if, if you have an attack like the one that you just said, and at home, we hear all the time, my account has been hacked on Facebook, right? Do not answer to this. Like we do a lot of diligence once it has happened, but I don't know that we're doing our diligence so that it doesn't happen. And it really can affect, now that we carry on our phones, our passwords, our cards, like, our phones have our life, basically, all of our life in this little thing that we carry with us. It's really, really important that we do our due diligence and understand how to really protect, how to really take care of that information, because we don't want somebody to be living our lives somewhere else, right? Pretending to be us somewhere else. And then we have the unfortunate uh, results of that. So, um, you know, talking about that, the cybersecurity and infrastructure Security Agency actually offers four steps for staying safe online. And I want to explore each one of those steps with you. And, and that first one actually talks about passwords, right? The importance of using strong passwords. What makes a password strong? And how often do we need to change that password, Chuck? So there's no hard, fast rule. A strong password, it's recommended to be over 12 characters in length. And it's recommended that you use a mixture of upper and lower cases and uh, special characters. The more complex, the better. 
it's actually recommended that now we use phrases rather than words. Mm. It's important that you make it something that's not easily attached to you. Like a, a lot of people will use something that uh, like a cat's name, a pet's name and a birthday or something like that. But that's information that a bad actor can easily glean from your social media accounts or somewhere else. So it might not be the, the best way to do that. At HCC, we have a minimum of seven characters and a maximum of 16 characters. We recommend you change your password regularly. Uh, I believe at HCC, we have it set to 180 days. Along with creating a strong password, we recommend using a password manager. It's really easy to look one up online. There are several of them. And there you can just generate a random password that's complex and already strong and um, will be your first line of defense. A password manager, can you expand on that? Is the first time I hear this concept, this is an app. Um, what, what is a password manager? Yeah, so there are, there are different apps, different programs that um, they can either, uh, they can help you, like I said, generate the password. They can also um, store passwords for you so that you're not trying to remember a million passwords as we all have today. <laughs> that's the hardest thing about the password is to remember it like you can create it but then you have to remember it and that's I, I know that that's a struggle for me all the time the second step that we have here as a recommendation is the multi-factor authentication and um son can you tell us you know what this means and and how do we activate it how do we even get this multi-factor authentication Multi-factor authentication is just one more step beyond just your username and password or just your password. And so you would need to have a device. So most likely it will be your phone or a, a dongle that might be issued to you. And so generally, like you have your, like I stated, username and password, uh, which is what you know, like, you know, your username and you know, your password. But the second factor, which is part of multi-factor is what you have, which is a device. And then lastly, the third factor is what belongs to you, like your physical fingerprint or biometrics, like your iris. So normally most companies do two factor, which is password and what you have, which is a device. So when an account is compromised, so if you get like a phishing email through whatever email or your social media and you click on it and somehow you're uh, scammed to put in your username and password because it looks legitimate. And now your account has been compromised because your username and your password is stolen. Uh, with multi-factor, mm -hmm. even if it is stolen, you st the bad actor still needs another device or another form of factor to authenticate, which is the device what you have. So most companies have ability to enable multi-factor, like Apple by default makes it so that you have to enable multi-factor. Social media like Facebook uh, and other sites like banking, Amazon, all those account base uh, have multi-factor. You just have to enable it. I think if you go to like settings for your account, there should be an option to enable multi-factor. And that just gives you an extra protection for your account. Because if you lose that account for your bank, the bad actor could transfer, withdraw, change your address. There's many things atta attached to that digital identity. So you want to make sure you protect your account using multi-form factor. So that's really important for everyone to, to know and understand that this is not a separate 
app or something that you have to go and get from what I'm from what Song just said. He just said this is this is a choice. Basically, this is this is something that you can just enable in your different accounts. So if you're not using multi-factor, and I'm gonna be very honest, I don't know that I have it in very many of my accounts. Uh, I know some of them by default request like a like four or five different questions before you can access your account. And I always found that very annoying. Now I'm understanding and now I'm learning you know, the importance of this. So it might seem like it takes a little longer and it's it's kind of it's kind of annoying, you know, that you have to have this additional step and that you have to have your phone with you or that you have to, you know, get to get that text or that code or whatever it is that, that it may require you to do. But if we really think of the big picture, right, we're really trying to protect ourselves and information, our family, because as annoying as it might be to take those additional 30 seconds to input or approve that login, it would be a lot more annoying, a lot more time consuming, energy consuming to have to go and try to prove that it wasn't you who did, you know, who bought the car or that it's not your mortgage or that that wasn't you who was doing all of that shopping or whatever the case may be, right? And that can really have negative long-term consequences on your credit, on your history and and, in many other forms. So um, the third step is to recognize and report phishing. Let's start by defining phishing, Chuck. What does phishing mean? Sure. So uh, first of all, phishing is probably our most prevalent threat to our data that we face at HCC. So phishing is a form of social engineering, which is just a a way to manipulate you into divulging information that may be sensitive uh, that you usually wouldn't. So when we talk about phishing, we're usually talking about email phishing, email fraud. About 96% of phishing occurs through email. And this can come in the form of rebate offers, you know, a a multitude of things, deliveries, account requests, all in an attempt to get you to usually divulge account information, passwords, things of that nature with the intention of something malicious. Like they want to sell your information on the black market, which is something we're seeing a lot now or they want to gain access into other systems so that they can do other malicious acts. So I'm sure that the message doesn't say, hey, give us your information because we want to sell it, right? Like I'm sure it doesn't say that when when you get those phishing emails. So how do we recognize, right? When we get an email or a text, how do we recognize? How How do we know what alerts us that this could be actually phishing and we do not want to interact with it? Right. So uh, phishing emails, they vary widely. Some are more sophisticated than others. They're getting better and better as time goes on, of course. But there are some telltale signs. Very often you'll see uh, bad grammar, bad spelling, no personalization, like they won't use your name in the greeting. And then above all, I would say unsolicited emails. For example, If Amazon were to contact you about a a missed delivery or an account error, and you know you've never given Amazon this particular email address, it's probably fraud. And another thing that we're seeing a lot of, especially at HCC, is a, a specific form of phishing called spear phishing in which they it's a more targeted attack. So they'll base their attack on a specific individual, like say someone in payroll, and they will uh, specifically use information to get that person to divulge information to them. 
So in a, in a case like that, uh, you always want to reach out to the person that the email is supposedly from and just verify with the sender. They are who they say they are. So that's that that was going to be my next question, because, you know, I, I've seen it. I've received some from institutions that I do have accounts with. Right. So like Amazon, Amazon is like, hey, you have issues. We have issues with your account. We need you to come back and and kind of like check your account information, just click on this link um, so that you can verify that we have the correct information right now. Or I've seen it come from a friend, right? Like like the sender name is somebody I know, somebody on my network. And it says, hey, I, I need help. Can you help me? Can you wire me some money? This is all the information. Or can you buy some gift cards for me, you know, or, or things like that. So when we find these emails that are just unsolicited, like you were saying, or where we get this kind of messages and it just doesn't feel right. It just feels a little weird. What do we do? Yeah. Like, uh, like I was saying, um, if it's someone that is supposing to be someone that, you know, reach out to that person and just verify that it's really them. If it's someone that, if it's not that person and you're sure, we have what's called the fish notify button. It's a, a little red fish button at the top of the email window. And we want you to hit that. And what that'll do is send that to us in information security. We'll be able to review it and tell you whether or not this was a real phishing attempt or a real email. So for people who are not with HEC, how do they report, right? What do they do? Where do they find that red fish? I believe that some email windows may have that. Some correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, like most email client would have ability to report a fish. Or if it doesn't, it, the best approach to it is just to delete and not respond. So if you have doubts and you get an email that feels suspicious and, you know, like for instance, with HEC, I receive HEC emails from HEC in my personal account. And I'm like, that's kind of weird, right? And and so then I would come to HEC and I'll let them know, hey, I'm receiving these emails, right? So that they can do something about it. Or maybe my bank or Netflix, right? One of the companies that I do have an, a relationship with will just send me an email out of the blue. Your bill is about to expire and we need you to renew or you need to correct your, your, your information. Instead of clicking on that link, go into your account or call them and, and you know, do it that way. I just think that it's, it's a safer way of protecting yourself. And if in fact it was a real email, then, you know, you can at least have that, that peace of mind that you did the right thing to protect yourself and that you still took care of what they were, they needed you to do. So whether you do it by clicking on the link or by calling them or going into your account differently, that's not going to make a difference. What they want, if, if they really are looking for you, they want you to take action and they want you to do exactly what you're going to do. So, um, Sung, the last step it's to update software and right. That's the, yeah, the last step on, on protecting ourselves is to update our software. And I have to say, I, I, I wonder, like, why is this important? Why is updating the software important cybersecurity? Why does that matter? So software has uh, vulnerabilities. These are weaknesses uh, in the software operating system and applications. And the update will basically uh, patch that system, which means that vulnerability is no longer present. 
So you want to make sure that beyond if you're running Windows or Mac OS, usually Apple and Microsoft will provide those free patches. Well, they, they have to provide it. But uh, what typically happens is for Microsoft, it occurs uh, every, once a month where they would update any known vulnerability. And what that does is the protection is a bad actor might know that vulnerability exists and they will try to exploit that vulnerability. And what the patch does, it just prevents that from occurring, especially a phone, because everyone uses their phone so often, it becomes a, a targeted device. So what what might happen is you might get a text to say, hey, UPS package missing, uh, and please click here to see a status. And when you click on that, you know, it might be maybe downloading uh, bad malware to your phone or just trying to get your credentials. But in either case, an updated updated operating system on your phone, your desktop, your any of their uh, device that you use will prevent that. It gives you that extra measure of protection. And it's good to have it updated because you know you're safe. So I would recommend at home, please update your software on a regular basis. On your mobile device, make sure you follow the vendor requirement, which is mainly Android and Apple. And so as long as you're keeping up to date, you are more protected than if you're not. And just that, again, vulnerability exists and software are not perfect. So I would you know, I would recommend that you always keep up to date. It's, it is annoying. So by default, I think Apple and Android both have settings where it just does it for you. And so you just want to make sure you're up to date and you can make it so that it just happens on its own. Well, almost on its own. Song, you've mentioned ransomware, you've mentioned malware. Can you just kind of like level all of us up and, and let us know what those words really mean? Oh, yes. So malware is just bad software. Malware uh, software kind of at the end. So it's something that you really don't want, but uh, you know, it allows multitude things to happen. So if you, so what would typically happen is very similar to what Chuck spoke about, which is you get an email, it says click here because you need to click here. It's a sense of urgency in some ways. And then so social engineering, most likely, and the bad actors trying to lure you to basically click. Most likely it might be from a trusted person. And then if you click, and then it, it will then download a specific file or the file already exists as an attachment and you open that attachment. And then the second stage is to download the real malware and it gets loaded into your system and it might just stay there um, just hunting for or harvesting data, your keystroke, may, you know, your whatever you type in your keyboard, which might be your username and password, or try to go from your computer to another computer if you're in a business. And so it might spread. But the whole goal is to just infect your system to either get data or you know, compromise your system for potentially getting access to your system. So, you know, worst case scenario is that they'll be accessing your hard drive, which would have your documents and your pictures. Uh, so that's like the malware. The ransomware is where they take hostage of your system. That happened like MGM in essence. So the bad actor basically took hostage of the data and then whole network of the system where you can't use it. It encrypts the hard drive so it becomes not functioning and you can't do your daily business like at MGM. So what happened was MGM slots was down like I spoke about. So you can't function as a business, but the ransom is since they held your operation in ransom, you have to give someone money. So when wow. MGM Resort uh, was in hostage, because no one could use their slots or get into their room. Caesar, right across the street, 
had a similar attack. They also had ransomware attack, but Caesar, the entity, uh, the company decided to pay the ransom. And so they paid, I don't know how many bitcoins, but they paid uh, X amount of bitcoins. And what that does is it allows that to allows a bad actor to release that ransom, which is give you a key and that key would decrypt your files or your operation. And so that's ransomware. It's more for businesses. Can it happen for an individual? Yes. If you like have your taxes, all your family photos in your computer, and it's all encrypted and you need access to that, you might potentially pay the ransom. Wow. It's fascinating to know that there is all of this happening, you know, in the cyber world and that we need to be aware of it and that we need to really do our intelligence in, in protecting ourselves. How are we keeping our information here safe at HCC Song? We have several mechanisms. So we have, number one, like Chuck spoke about, we have these hygiene practices, cyber hygiene practices, changing password, making password more complex. We have multi-factor authentication. Uh, and then on top of that, we have a system where when we see suspicious activities, so these are activities that, so, so for example, for my account, so if I'm in Columbia, Maryland, and then 10 minutes later, my account says I'm at Europe. I'm at Portugal. That's not possible within 10 minutes. And so we will get an alert if that has occurred. And then what we will do is do our best to determine, is it real or is it not real? And the reason why we can say is it real or not is because people can use VPN. So if you use VPN services, VPN stands for virtual private network, you can act like you're in another area. So these are IP addresses, you know, which is basically your the device name or your lo not location, but it has your location. And then it like points to you're in another country. And so what we typically do is we monitor accounts, we monitor sessions of uh, where people are logging into. And then if we get an alert, so these are all sort of done through our system and it'll alert us to say, this is high. You know, this, this account was accessed by five different IP addresses from five different countries. So in those scenarios, we will know the account has been compromised. So we would take proactive measures to either change the person's password or we will disable the account uh, if it is fake. It's amazing. You know, we've, we've covered just about 30 minutes here in our conversation and I feel like we barely, barely scraped the surface. So if people want to know more, if people maybe are interested in having a career in this, Chuck, where can people connect with HCC and find out more about cybersecurity, careers in cybersecurity, and, and just kind of like have a conversation with you guys? Well, they can always email us at uh, cybersecurity at howardcc.edu. Um, that'll come straight to our information security team. We're going to be doing information sessions monthly um, about phishing and uh, other cybersecurity efforts. Right now, we're in cybersecurity month, and um, we're covering all the topics we talked about today. But it's an ongoing thing, um, so you can always come to us, and we're glad to have a conversation. That's right. This is this is one month that we're really paying close attention to it and bringing awareness. But this is daily work. This is something that we need to be working on on a daily basis to protect our information, our family and our, and our systems. Chuck and Sung, thank you so much for taking some time to speak with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.
Yeah, and thank you everybody for listening, for watching. Go to howardcc.edu and, you know, just type cybersecurity to see what opportunities we have here at HEC. We have apprenticeships in IT. We have full courses here that we offer. So if this is something that you're interested in finding out more, howardcc.edu is the place where you want to go to find more information. Don't forget to like our pages, to connect with us, to share this information with others, because this is something that we all need to be plugged into. And this is something that we need to take very seriously. So thank you again for listening for watching for sharing i will be back in two weeks thanks for listening for watching until next time i am cris oviedo connect with us we are dragon digital media podcast